0: Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontes, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Today's the final week of our series called Hope is Here. And in this series, we've gathered as a church to uncover the ways that we find hope in our relationship with Jesus Christ. So let me recap what we've covered these last few weeks. The first week, we learned that there is hope for the weary because we don't have to carry our burdens alone. The second week, we covered that there is hope for the broken. And remember, there's two kinds of brokens. There's that where other people did something to you and they broke us, it hurt us. There's the other kind of brokenness where we're broken because of what we've done to others, and we know we hurt somebody—maybe someone we cared and loved, maybe family, maybe friend. But and that's the one we focus on because of what we've done to others, and we're broken between us and the Lord. And we also learned that there was hope for forgiveness, and that He would offer us His love. Last week, we recognized that there's hope for the underdog. Because with God, we can do all things. Well, this week, it's one of the hardest places we find ourselves. Is that there's hope for the doubter. I bet if it's not you, you know somebody or you have someone close to you that has struggled in faith and they have their doubts. Well, I got good news for you. Jesus is not intimidated that somebody has a doubt. As a matter of fact, when he first showed himself up, he went to the doubter in the room and said, come here. Why don't you put your hand right there? Go ahead, touch me right there, right there. He's not angry with you or somebody you love because they have doubts. He wants to have a conversation he wants to show you how you can have hope beyond your doubt have you ever heard a piece of information that you had a hard time believing was true maybe it seemed outlandish and that it made you go whatever i doubt that maybe it was too good to be true so you it kind of made you skeptical I want to pose some questions to you, and I need you to decide if you trust it or if you doubt it. And this is going to be participant. You're going to help me along. (laughs) So when I ask the question, if you think it's true or not, you have to raise your hand, okay? So here we go. Do you know that every day, on average, 11 banks are robbed in the U.S.? If you trust it, raise your hand. So the rest of you all doubt that, all right? Well, it's true. Did you? Well, I know the rest of you are going. No, it was way more than that. All right. Did you know you are more likely to be stung by a bee in windy weather? Trust it or doubt it. Yeah, false. Did you know you have square? They have square watermelons in Japan. Because they stack better? How many of you guys believe that? It actually is true. The rest of us were a bunch of squares. We didn't believe it. Did you know penguins can smell toothpaste from a mile away? Do you trust it or doubt it? How many? How many? Yeah, it's false. You know, it's hard to tell what to trust and what to doubt. Doubt has become a common occurrence for many of us within our culture today. There are people who we know well that have failed us. And that causes us to doubt. There's so much false information shared on social media bad information coming from politicians they say one thing and do another thing oh i mean hypocrisy okay and the news do you know that one particular news agency has lost 73 73 percent of its viewership since january because people don't trust it anymore we don't know who or what to trust and that all contributes to why so many of us are doubting everything. People doubt for all kinds of reasons. And I would argue that the problem is it's not the doubting itself. It's how we're handling our doubting. As we know, and we've been learning over the past few weeks, Jesus is here. And when Jesus is here, hope, is here. We certainly are not the first to struggle with hope. Hope over doubting. After Jesus' crucifixion, His friends were heartbroken because their hopes and dreams of a new and a better world under the rule of the kingdom of God had seemingly ended like that. Think about it. They went from Hosanna in the highest to crucify Him. In less than a week. They saw Him illegally prosecuted. They saw Him beaten. His beard pulled out. Flogged. And then He had to go to the cross. I don't know about you. What would that do to your dream of seeing the kingdom of God come? To go from that high, high as Jesus was going down on a colt to crucify you. I think that played with my heart. See, it wasn't until Jesus miraculously began to show up from his resurrection that disciples started to believe. And the word got to the disciples over here and to the disciples over there. But, but when they all got this one word, you know, some guy named Thomas wasn't with all of them. And when he finally got with them, they go, listen, he's alive. And Thomas goes, unless I can touch his hand. Unless I could put my hand in his side, I won't believe anything. What's wrong with you guys? We call him. We nicknamed him, didn't we? It's not in the Bible, but what's his nickname? Doubting Doubting Thomas. So let's go to, let's look at John. Chapter 20, verse 24 to 25. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came, 25. They told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it. Unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. You know, Thomas gets a really bad rap especially by the church, kind of like he's some kind of scuffy skeptic or something, that he's cynical. He's way, he's not a grumpy old man. If we're truthful, we're a lot like Thomas. Thomas comes to this place of skepticism and doubt honestly think about it he watched him die buried and now they want to tell me that he's alive what part of stupidville did you come from hello i saw him raise up the boy i saw him raise up jairus's daughter but i've never seen somebody raise themselves from the dead The thought of of getting his hopes up about the resurrection, It it just defied logic. Have you ever been there? Some tragedy in your life? Some tragedy in the world? Some tragedy in the church? Some tragedy for your children? And then somebody says, God can help. (sighs) Really? You want to go there? See what I'm saying? Our weariness, our brokenness can cause us to doubt. And part of the reason we doubt, it's because what we're really trying to do is to protect our own heart. We don't want to get our hopes up. Thomas says he will not believe unless he sees the evidence. You know, we can be so much like Thomas where we doubt to protect ourselves. You know, we've learned that to be gullible is to risk being taken advantage of. Thomas didn't want to believe that Jesus was alive because he didn't want to be let down again. We often don't want to believe and hope because we're too afraid. What if God doesn't come through on my prayer? What does that do now? Think about this. What is the very... Common thing, many, common thing that many people say when they're given really, really good news. This is what they say. No way. Right? Or, you've got to be... Why do we begin with a doubt when good news comes? Because we're trying to protect ourselves. We don't want to be taken advantage of. We don't want to be the butt of a joke. Occasionally, it takes time to let hope rise up within us. A week after Thomas tells the others that he refuses to believe, their reports, he and his disciples find themselves together in the locked room, like in an upper room. And kind of like, you know, that whole idea of shelter at home, They, too, sheltered away because they were afraid that they were next. Why wouldn't they put me on a cross if they put Jesus on a cross? When suddenly, out of nowhere, the source of hope shows up. I don't know about you, but if I'm standing here and I'm talking to you, and then Jesus shows up right there, He would have my undivided attention. Like, really? (gasps) Wouldn't know what to do. Probably urinate myself. So there he is. He's in front of all of them. And I love what he tells them. Hey, chill out. Peace. Let's read it. John 20, 26. Eight days later, the disciples were together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. The doors were, say it with me. That's real important. John wants us to know the doors are locked. Why? Because Jesus showed up and the doors were locked. He just showed up. He did the whole Star Trek thing. Beam me up, Scotty. And He just shows up. Why? Because He's God. He can do anything. If you can walk on water, what's walking through a wall or coming through and all of a sudden just be there? But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. In this first thing He says, Peace be with you. He said, then He said to Thomas. So He goes from, Peace be with you. Then He goes, Thomas, I don't know about you. But have you ever had the teacher yell out your name? And you don't know if you're in trouble or not? You know, there's one thing when mama says, you know, hey, Marv. It's another thing when she says, Marvan. All right. So all of a sudden he says, peace be with you. And then he goes, Thomas. Thomas, put your fingers here. And look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Without much explanation, Jesus in the flesh shows up in this locked room with His disciples. They must have been just shocked to the core. Can you imagine how your mind would just be racing Oh, is this what he was talking about when he said that and when he said this? And maybe they're starting to decode what all of that weird stuff he would say now all of a sudden begins to make sense. Oh, they'll destroy this place and in three days it will rise up. Oh, oh, oh. And then he tells them, peace be with you. You know, that's just another way of saying, hey, don't be afraid. It's all right, guys. I'm not here to hurt you because you all betrayed me. Each and every single one of you. I'm not coming after you, Peter, because of the chicken deal. All right? But who does he go to first? He didn't go to Peter first. He didn't go to Luke. He goes to the doubter. That's really good news. Anybody in this room doubting this week? Just me? All right, I got a brother over here. I got two, I got three. Anybody else? We got doubts. And Jesus says, hey, peace. Now, where's all the doubters? Let me talk to you guys first. He's not intimidated because you got a question. He wants to address it. Paul tells us that we are to study to show ourselves a proof, that we're to have an answer for every person. Wow. There are many in the body of Christ today who are struggling with their faith, they've lost hope that Jesus is who they thought he was. For many churches, the user response to those who doubt is to shun them or to shame them because they asked a question. I remember being a kid, and I, you know, we did this little Bible study with my aunt and my mom and all the cousins and the kids in the neighborhood. We would all gather up, and and I remember um, my aunt telling me, I don't know, a few years ago, she goes, Ay, Mijo. Can you tell him Hispanic, right? Ay, Mijo, she would say. She goes, You, you were the one that made me read my Bible. Because when I had to teach the lesson, she would say, I knew Marvin was going to ask questions. And oh, I did. Jesus loves questions. There's nothing wrong with your faith because you got a question. Go for it. Ask Him. See what He'll show you. It might be one of those opportunities that you'll have to read your Bible. So, how should the church respond to those who have doubts? I think we should be much like Jesus. Welcome. You got questions? You came to the right place. So do we. Anybody here have all the answers of the Bible? Anybody? I don't know if Adam and Eve both had a belly button or not. How about you? There's a ton of stuff we don't know. But you know what? Just because I don't understand something doesn't mean I don't use it. I don't understand how this microphone works, but I use it every week. Why? It's beneficial. I don't understand how electricity really, really works, but I still use it. I don't understand how to put a computer together. Or to program it. I still use it. How about your phone? Any of you know how to take that thing apart and put it back together? Just because we don't know everything about God doesn't mean God's not around or that He doesn't exist. The truth is the church should really emphasize empathy and express compassion for those who have questions when people let themselves experience and feel other people's pain other people's hurt and their struggles you are better equipped to meet the needs and build the bridge back to faith and hope for that person have you ever seen somebody just make up an answer especially a religious leader. Don't do that. But I'm a mom, I'm dad. Then be mature enough to say, I don't know, I'll go look and find an answer and get back to you. I respect that. Jesus wasn't afraid of Thomas' doubts. And we should not be afraid of other people's doubts either. You know, Casting Crowns has a new song out. It's, I think it's called uh, The Only Scars in Heaven. And those scars will be the scars in the hands of our Savior. None of us will have any scars. Just His. You know why He and He alone will have those scars? It will be there as a reminder of His great love, His great sacrifice, and His commitment to you and to me. Wow. Most of all, it will be the proof of His resurrection so that you and I don't have to doubt. Let's finish up at verse 28 and 29. Same chapter. My Lord and my God, Thomas exclaimed, and Jesus told him, You believe... So here's the setting. He he goes to, here, Tom, check out my hands. Check out my side and everything. And then he says, this is what Tom says. Thomas says, my Lord and my God. He doesn't call him rabbi. doesn't call him Christ Messiah. He doesn't call him Jesus. He says, my Lord and my God. The highest title you could give anybody is Lord and God. And Thomas exclaimed, then Jesus told him, verse 29, you believe because you have seen me. We don't even know if he touched his hands. It's it's silent there. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. I mean, this is all that Thomas needs. He recognizes that Jesus can overcome death and the grave. Then he is obviously lord and god this disciple who was the greatest doubter now becomes the disciple with the greatest and truest claim of who jesus is jesus is certainly recognizing thomas's newfound faith in this passage we catch that but guess who jesus is thinking about beyond thomas he's thinking about you He's thinking about me. Why? Because he says, but blessed are those who believe and do not see me. We weren't in the room. Do you know you're blessed because you believe because you weren't in the room? Oh, it's easy to believe, Thomas, because I'm here with you. But how about those who are going to come thousands of years later, and they believe, and they weren't even there. They didn't see Me on the cross. They didn't see the empty tomb. They didn't see Me eat with the 600 people. They didn't see none of it! And they believe. And they believe. Wow! Do you know how blessed you are? Our doubts begin to fall away when we begin to trust in the source of hope. Thomas had first-hand evidence that came directly from the source of hope, Jesus. That caused all of his doubts to just melt away. Our doubts, too, can turn to hope when we go directly to the source and find that Jesus is actually trustworthy. The Scriptures are full of first-hand accounts of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus. The church throughout history has seen the power of Jesus in miraculous ways. There's testimony all around us of people who have found Jesus to be faithful in this room. Even when we feel our faith wavering or our confidence begin to be shaken, we need to know that Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you and help us to press on. Let me close with this little story. His name is Robert Louis Stevenson. One of the greatest novelists of the 20th century writes one of his excursions to the the South Sea Islands where the ship encountered a terrible storm. In the belly of the ship were all of the passengers and they began to grow really, really frightened. And they were worried that the ship would be lost and they themselves at sea. One of the men down in the belly of the ship ventured out into the wind and the rain and scurried to the upper deck where the captain was at. And he noticed that the captain was quietly pacing back and forth on the bridge. And he would give an order here, He would give an order there. And then out of the blue, for whatever reason, the captain just turned and looked. And he saw the man looking at him. He just smiled at him. Gave him a little nod. And got right back to pacing and giving orders and instructions. Well, that man made his way back down into the belly, into the hole where all the passengers were at. And this is what he said. The passengers began to huddle around him and and said, what's going on? What do you know? He says, we're all going to be all right. I have seen the captain's face and all is well. When we recognize that Jesus is here, with us in the middle of our doubts and we discover that that means that hope is here too all we need to do is look into the face of jesus of the christ and we will see that all is well as our series draws to a close let's remember what well, we've learned about hope and Jesus. Hope. Remember, if Jesus is here, then hope is here. We've learned that hope, that there is hope for the weary. We've learned that there is hope for the broken. We have learned that there is hope for the underdog. And we have learned that there is hope for the doubter. Where Jesus is. There is hope. And we believe that He's here today with us. Well, Father, I pray for Your people. Lord, as we face all these things in our world, in our life, sometimes just our life alone is more than enough to have doubts about. Lord, maybe there's an illness. Maybe there's financial issue. Maybe there's a relationship issue. Father, maybe there's uncertainty about the future. And Lord, we begin to doubt. What we really need to know is greater is He that's in us than he that's in this world. And that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, Because even if he takes my life, then I have eternity with my king. Oh, heaven. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Father, bless your people. Help us rise up with hope. That if Jesus is here, hope is here. And nothing is impossible with you, Jesus. The true living hope. Father, whether people have been weary, whether some have been broken because of what's been done to them or what they've done, or for those who have definitely faced the life of being the underdog, or maybe because there's some doubts, hope. Hope is here to set the captive free. Lord, bless your people in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus. And we all say, amen, amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.